Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we thank you that he was born of a woman in a virgin birth. We thank you that he died for our sins and you raised him from the dead. We, finally, we thank you that we have this season every year to reflect on the wonder of your plan, that your ways are not our ways, and we are so happy that your ways prevail. Father, this morning we ask that we uh, worship you and honor you and concentrate on you and your son, Jesus Christ, through the word of God sung and taught. And we ask you, Father, when we leave today, that the word of God that would be in our hearts would be stirred up by the Holy Spirit for us to understand the meaning of it and to live accordingly. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's uh, sing a Christmas carol. I think you'll be familiar with that. You may be seated. 
You should be seated. <laughs> okay, just a quick reminder. I've been telling you about this every week. Just to remember, we do support every year Chris, the Christmas care packages that Grace Bible Church Pakistan puts together. Um, we'll be able to support that financially up to the end of this year. You can send your um, gift through us, um, and that's uh, either you can mail a check, you can go online. Just if you do that, just indicate that it's for the Pakistan Christmas. All right, let's begin now. Oh, oh, a couple other things actually. First of all, reminder, schedule note: Christmas on December twenty fifth is a Sunday this year, so that day we won't have you come for service. We'll be celebrating Christmas um, service, the the event, um, the birth of Christ uh, next Sunday, which is actually the Sunday before Christmas. So. Get your shopping done because it's coming right up. Um, also, uh, and you don't have to buy me a gift, by the way. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> All right. Um, that, by the way, uh, we will we will be having Christmas. I mean, Sunday service the next Sunday, New Year's Day. We will have that. Um, we like to uh, keep partying in our congregation to a minimum. So we're going to bring you all back on that Sunday. Just kidding. And we will have Bible study that Thursday in the middle of that week. All right, let's begin. The title of today's message is Seated with Christ in the Heavenlies. Seated with Christ in the Heavenlies. Uh, I guess I'll have to review for the new people that are coming in right now. Thankfully, I haven't started yet. (laughs) All right, I worked together in the scriptures for the last few months. It's been to discover what the Bible has to say about what it means to be human. Or quite simply, what is man? Now, we saw... That man was created originally in God's image and likeness. However, Adam, the first man, fell, sinned, and the human race completely fell with him. We saw that in Romans chapter 5. But then God responded to that by sending his one and only son who became flesh. That's Christmas and died for our sins. He died, was buried and was raised from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And today he is seated at the right hand of the father. Our title today, remember, is Seated with Christ in Heavenly Places. So I want you to note that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, the, the, the ultimate man, the unique man of the universe. But then we're going to see this morning in the book of Ephesians that we are, we are also seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And that's just an amazing statement about the fact that not only is Jesus Christ the unique human being and God, of course, in the flesh. But now God has created a new humanity and everyone who believes in Christ is a member of that new humanity. And we're going to see that that's a heavenly humanity that even now, as far as God's concerned, we are right up there with the Lord Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the father. It's beyond our ability to understand. And that's why we, our whole life as believers in Christ are, is it life of, by faith in what the word of God has to say, even though a lot of times these things are so astounding that we can't really grasp them in our human rationality. Okay, so again, now we're at the point, the final point. See, we're, we've gone from the beginning of human history, and now we're at the end as far as God is concerned. Remember, we saw there's two men According to God and how he deals with the human race, there's the first one, Adam, and then there's the second or last Adam, Jesus Christ. And so we're getting to the climax of the story of humanity. But not only Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the father, that's the ultimate. But then he's bringing along God's children who are now indwelt by the spirit and literally in God's eyes seated with Christ. So that's what we're going to see again this morning. That's what we've been learning about for the last couple of weeks. We know now that every church age believer is a new creation in Christ Jesus. If anyone be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. So as we end our series on what it means to be human, I'd like to give you some highlights about who this new man is. And when I do that, remember, I'll be telling you who you are now as a believer in Christ. That's something I want you to keep in mind as we go through this today. This is you. If you've believed in Christ, what I'm going to tell you about the new man is true of you as well. First of all, the thing that you need to understand first about this new man is that he is a spiritual man. He is spiritual in nature. See, Adam was created 
on earth as a, as an earthly man. He had a soul. The new man comes along, and now he is spiritual in nature. Okay, he's he was natural, but then you believe in Christ, and then you're spiritual. Now, how do we know that? Well, the first reason that we know that is the fact that he's born. We sang that again, second birth. He's born of the spirit. The very beginning, as it were, of the new man as us individually. Okay, And actually, in terms of God's overall plan for the new man, um, born again of the spirit. I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 5. John, chapter 3, verse 5 this morning. We are going to be in... A lot of scriptures this morning. It's going to be mostly reading from the Word of God today, with a with a with a just giving you the outline. Um, uh, we step through each of the things, the highlights I want you to see this morning in the Word of God. Look at John chapter three, verse five. Whoops. Boom. Jesus answered, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's the first time." Okay. Um, that's actually the uh, amniotic fluid in the womb, okay, born of water and the spirit. See, we're born a second time. But if that doesn't happen, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You're still a natural man, okay? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You see, our parents are human. We are born in, this is not sin. I want you to understand, this is simply saying in a natural human body. Born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit, notice, is spirit. A spiritual person. You see it? That's why we're spiritual from the very birth of the new man. He is spiritual. If you're a believer in Christ, from your birth, in terms of being a new creation, you're spiritual too. Do not be amazed that I said to you in verse 7, you must be born again. Now, here's a little description. But what does it mean to be a spiritual, the spiritual man, the new man? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. There's a mystery involved with the, with the person who is a spiritual person. We're going to see another passage where the Bible actually says we can discern things that the unbeliever cannot discern. And there will be things about you that unbelievers in your life simply cannot understand. That's part of the mystery of being a spiritual person. So, again, the new man is the spiritual man. I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. First thing you need to understand about this new man is that he is the spiritual man. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans 8, 9. Give you a second to get there. Some of these Bible pages are thin. I know. Sometimes they get stuck together on the way, especially when you get close. So I'll give you a second to get there. Romans 8, 9. However, you, who's you? A believer in Jesus Christ. A member of the body of Christ. The new man, the spiritual man. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You were born in the flesh, but now you're no longer in the flesh. You are in the spirit. You are the new spiritual humanity. If indeed, how do you know that you're a spiritual person? Very simple. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, everyone, when you're born again, when you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit from that moment on indwells in you forever. Okay, this is this is again this is something unique about the new man, unique about the Christian, not not known and not not really happening until after Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. In other words, there's no Old Testament saint who had the Holy Spirit indwelling them permanently. None. They were they had they were influenced by the Spirit. They were guided by the Spirit. They had the Spirit to inspire them in what they said and what they did. For example, those who were, were, were the craftsmen who built the temple, okay, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them the insight and the ability to do what they did, but they weren't indwelt permanently by the Holy Spirit. You are. You are. Again, verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's that simple. In other words, the thing that marks a believer in Jesus Christ is that you have the spirit dwelling inside you. That is a that is a uh, red line, as it were, between a believer and an unbeliever. And it's, and it's something that you should never take for granted because it's marvelous. Please turn uh, forward now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 12. We'll get to verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And Paul is again addressing those who have believed in Jesus Christ. Born-again believers, believers in the church during the church age, verse 12. Now we have received, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that you may know the things freely given to us by God. Notice, when when you become a spiritual person by the Holy Spirit indwelling you, now you can know things that no unbeliever can possibly know. And it described here by Paul as the things freely given to us by God revealed for the first time after Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and sends the Holy Spirit down here to indwell believers. Now we have received, I want to say something brief about that just beginning statement, and it's this. You don't have to do anything to have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Okay, It's not a second blessing. Okay, it's not something where you have to tarry or you have to ask for. Okay, it happens instantaneously. It's a gift freely given to you by God. And then once that gift of the Holy Spirit is in your hearts, now you can know things that you otherwise would never be able to know. You can understand. You can grasp the meaning, the sense of it. Things that were freely given through, by the way, again, through the writings of Paul, primarily by God, which things we also speak. See, not only do you have the ability to understand these things, you have the ability to speak them. And the reason is quite simple, because uh, you, when you have the word of God dwelling in your heart, the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to speak words when you need to. Gospel being the most important words. Again, verse 13, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. This has nothing to do with human wisdom. People, Christians, try to use human wisdom to try to win people over, but it'll never happen. You see, these words are not taught by human wisdom, but by in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. You receive the information. It's in your mind. And then you can speak it in words um, that are part of the language that you speak from the spiritual thought to the spiritual words. Verse 14, but a natural man, that's someone who doesn't have the spirit indwelling. Natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Don't be surprised if you speak about something like being born again or being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Don't be surprised if you get some funny looks from unbelievers. Why? They're foolishness to them. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In fact, everything that's unique about the church age believer and about the message that is given to the church age believer appears to be foolishness that you should that you should love others the way Christ loved you, knowing full well that Christ gave up his life. That's foolishness to the unbeliever. They don't understand that. They don't even understand why God would come and become a human being. They think that's foolishness. Why would God do that? But here's the problem. Here's why. They cannot, he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. This is talking about a new capability that the new man has because he's a spiritual hum, human, because he has the spirit of God indwelling him. You as a believer have the spirit of God indwelling you. And because of that, you see, you are, you are spiritual. Okay. By the way, you're, you are spiritual. This is not an this is not an experience. This is not something that sometimes you are and sometimes you aren't. This is true about you because the spirit indwells you. If you if you go around saying, "Well, I'm only spiritual when," then you either intentionally ignore the fact that the spirit indwells you, or unfortunately, as 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 probably the majority of Christians, they don't even know it. By the way, even if they don't know it, it's still true. God isn't saying, once you know these things, then I'll send the Spirit. 
right? No, he gives it to you and he hopes that you'll, by the way, and the Holy Spirit um, does create a desire for, 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 for the word of God. It doesn't mean it's automatic. That's not automatic. You know, we'll see this at the end today. That <laughs> she's so cute. That there's a there's a uh, part of us we're going to see that's perfect, and a part of us that's growing, and a part of us that won't be perfected. And we'll see that at the end. So again, verse fifteen. He who's spiritual or she appraises all things. Notice he who's spiritual appraises all things. These are all the things of God, by the way. It doesn't mean you can understand quantum physics, okay? It's talking about the things of God, the spiritual things. He who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. They don't understand you. You see, when you let people condemn you, by the way, you're, you're going against the, just the very pure fact that God says you are not to be appraised by anyone. The, the, your ways are not going to be understood, and you don't have to defend yourself, Okay. He's appraised by no one. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? You know, in the Old Testament, this was said as, as an impossibility. Okay, he's saying no one can know the mind of, of the Lord. It's an Old Testament quote. No one can know the mind of the Lord. That was the limitation of understanding that the Old Testament saint had. That can't be, right? That he will instruct him. But we, church age believers, indwelt by the spirit of the new man we have the mind of christ we have this new capacity in order to understand the, the mind of the lord the things of god because we have the spirit inside amazing i mean i hope today that you um make note of these scriptures that we go to and go back to them one of the things about being a christian because it's a spiritual um, reality, ultimately, um, in our natural, in our in our physical, in our daily living, in our um, emotional um, moods, uh, facts that contradict the Word of God, we can easily forget who we are. You know the whole. And remember, these are things that are already done. Okay, and we'll see all these things have already been accomplished, but we need to know them and remind ourselves of them. On an ongoing basis, really, because we'll forget. I mean, I mean, basically, the Christian life is knowing who you are, and therefore you'll live according to who you are. If you don't know you're a prince, you'll live like a pauper. You see it? But if you know you're a prince, then you'll live like a prince. So you need to know who you are, and that's really what we're going to see this morning. Who are you? Who are you? All right. Number two. All right. Number one, spiritual. He's a spiritual man. Number two, he's heavenly. He's heavenly. He's created by God in God's image. Now, this is recreated. This is coming back at the in the beginning. Man was created in the image of God. Then he fell. But now that's coming back as a believer in Christ. Now you are created in the image of God, but for a different purpose. Notice for a heavenly life. This is the new thing. You are created a new man. You are created. You are a new creation. And the purpose, ultimately, your destiny is heavenly. All right. And even today in your spirit, you are heavenly right now, created in God's image for a heavenly life and a heavenly destiny. You are heavenly. The new man is heavenly. Please turn to Ephesians chapter two, verse four. Ephesians chapter two, verse four. We make it easy for you to have these scriptures, because if you go back to our website, on any day you want to say, I want to see the scriptures that were taught on that day. Um, you can just go to that message. All of our messages are online. OK, um, not only the audio. OK, but also there's an outline that comes with it. OK, so you don't actually when I say you have to jot these down. I mean, that's good. But you can also go back and refer to them. just so you know that some people don't know that. Ephesians chapter two, verse four. But God. By the way, I don't know if you remember, but when we were looking at the old man and what and what it meant to be a fallen human being, we were in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. OK, now we're, we're going back and we're picking up the rest of the story. Here's the new man. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, notice, made us alive together with Christ. He made you alive. He gave you a new life. 
when? At the moment you were saved. By grace, you have been saved. Again, when you were dead, okay, you had nothing, nothing spiritual about you. Okay, you were dead in your sins. God made you alive. It was nothing you did. It was nothing that you earned. It was nothing like, okay, now he's ready to be made alive or she. He did it as a gift. Made us alive together with Christ. From the moment that you're become a believer in Christ, you are with Christ. And you always will be by grace, gift, freely given. You have been saved. But not only that, notice how he continues. Verse 6, raised us up with him. Can you see, how, by the way, that's past? That's already happened? In other words, you don't have to be this super Christian, whatever that is, in order to God say, okay, I'm ready to raise you up with Christ. You are special. You are a saint. You are canonized, and I'm going to raise you up with Christ. You already are raised up with Christ as far as God is concerned. Now, you might say, well, in in my understanding of who I am and where I am, I'm on earth. Um, I'm not up there. No, you're not up there according to the natural way of looking at things. But according to the spiritual way of looking at things, you are. You are, because you've been with Christ from the moment you believed in Christ. Where Christ is, as far as God sees you as a spiritual human, you are up there with him. Again, don't try to understand it. Don't try to map it out. Don't try to come up with the physics of how that can happen. It's just true because God has made it so. God raised us up with with Christ and with God and seated us with God in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He seated us, God seated us with him, with God, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, when Jesus died, the believer in Christ died with him. When Jesus was buried, we were buried with him. And by the way, again, no, we weren't on a cross and no, we weren't in the ground. But as but as a spiritual reality, what God did in order to move us from the old man to the new man, in order to move us from death to to a new life is he he put us through again not physically but in terms of his process of saving us and and regenerating us and making us a new man this is what he did okay he, we die with him we were raised with him notice verse six we were he raised us up with christ and then he seated us with christ in the heavenly places so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What is this saying? There's more grace to come. Okay, we see, we're going to see all the ways in which God has graced us out as believers in Christ, as being in Christ and with him. But then there's the, there's the future. Notice in verse 7, in the ages to come. See, he's not done. He's going to be blessing us and gracing us out forever. Okay, forever. Now, one of the gifts that we are going to get in the future, in one of the ages to come, in the end of the church age, of course, is our resurrection body. But it doesn't end there either. He's got things for us that the eye hasn't seen and the ear hasn't heard. And it hasn't entered into our hearts that he's prepared. We have an inheritance. These are things to come. The surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. All because of Christ. Look at, go to forward now to Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. I'm going to see more of this. More of the fact that we are heavenly. Not earthly. I mentioned this last week. If you confine yourself to the earthly ministry of Jesus to try to understand who you are, um, you are leaving out <laughs> the whole. In other words, I mentioned this. Like Jesus came, his ministry on earth was to the Jewish people. The Jewish people, by the way, are God's earthly people. If you go and look in the Old Testament about all the promises made. Okay, whether it be from Abraham, where you'll be the father of all nations in heaven. No, on earth. I will give you this land in heaven. No, on earth. See, so that's why when Jesus came, uh, his ministry was to the Jews. I have come from the sons of Abraham and nobody else. He told his his apostles, I want you just to go to the cities and towns of Israel. I mean, it's it's unmistakable. You have to ignore or spiritualize just about everything in the Gospels, okay, in in order to miss the fact that his ministry is to the Jews. Okay. Where was I? 
Verse chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, there it is again. This is an if, meaning if you're a believer, you have. Past tense, already happened. If you have been raised with Christ, here's what you want to do now. Live like who you are. This is what this is going to say. Keep seeking those things above. You see, spiritual, we're in that, we're up there with them. Our minds, right, need to be renewed. In other words, we need to learn these things from the word of God and keep seeking. Why? Because things are going to pull you down here on earth. They're going to try to pull you away from who you are, right? Deceive you into thinking you're the opposite of who you are. So you need to keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There it is again. And then to get the point across, Paul repeats, verse two, set your mind on the things above your mind now, not your spirit. Your mind. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. You can't do this unless you got your nose in the word of God or you're hearing a message in the word of God, because you'll never be able to set your mind. The natural man cannot set his mind on the things above, the spiritual things of Christ. Only if you're spiritual. But even as a spiritual person, if you're not learning being reminded of those things, you know, that what Christ, what happened to Christ? Why is he in heaven now? What did he accomplish? You know, the Bible actually says when he entered into the into the heavenly temple, he went there with his blood. And a lot of people try to make that physical. But you understand that what it meant was with that all that his blood accomplished. OK, in the Old Testament, the, the once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies with the blood of the sacrifice. OK, what was that all about? He was trying. He was covering the sins of the nation of Israel for that year. Okay, Jesus did this once when he went up to the temple. He went up with his own blood, meaning he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice once for all time. If you believed in Christ, you are sanctified forever. That's happened in heaven, and and, and so so. But in order to know that, you see, if you were a Jew, you wouldn't know that. Okay. But if you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit and you read the book of Hebrews, now you know it. But you better go back and remind yourself. Again, verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. You're a heavenly creation. For you have died. You have died. Okay, this is part of moving you from Adam to Christ. You've died. Your life now is hidden with Christ and God. In the book of Galatians, Paul puts it another way. I'm crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, yet I do, but not I, but, the, but Christ who dwells in me. And the life I live now, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God. Okay? It's hidden with Christ in God, your life. Your real life. All right? Now, if you, if you don't orient to that, okay, you're, you're not orienting to who you are. You're looking at something else. You're saying, I'm that, when in reality, you're that. Okay? Your lo- real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, when Christ, and notice the next expression, who is our life? See, the new man has been given a new life, and it's Christ. He is our new life. If you want to understand the life that you've been given, what you need to do is understand the heavenly things, where Christ is. You know, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's where they are. And if you're not orienting and learning the heavenly things, then you are missing out on seeing the blessings that God has already given you. He's given them to you, by the way, but they're spiritual and you're not going to have access to them. It's kind of like this is kind of a, a faulty analogy, but it's kind of like um, somebody has put a billion dollars in a safe for you. OK, but what happens? What do you need in order to get it? The combination, right? If you don't have it, they're yours, but you can't see them. So that's I mean, that's very limited. But that's the kind of the idea. Verse four, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, that's the rapture, then you will also be, everyone is going to see and understand, you'll be revealed with him in glory. Okay, so spiritual, heavenly, and I just referred to this, but the believer in Christ, the new man, the new woman, has been given a new life, holy new life. Life that you didn't have before you became a believer in Christ. A life that no unbeliever has. So you have it. Please turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. You already have it. 
You don't have to work for it. You don't have to have a spiritual mountaintop experience to get it. Okay. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to make a, a journey to some other city in some other country like the Muslims teach. You got to go to Mecca and God doesn't love you if you don't. No, you already have this life and you always will. Look at John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is Satan and the things of Satan. That's all he's ever done to mankind. All he's ever done is try to steal the birthright, try to steal the blessing and kill. Right. You dying. You will die, Adam. No, you won't die, said Satan. And he, and he did. And destroy. He wants to destroy the things of God. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus said, I came that they may have life. And notice the next expression and have it abundantly. We saw in Romans 5 that we are to reign in life. This life is not just a limited life. It's an unlimited life flowing over abundantly. Please go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, 23. The new man is spiritual. The new man is heavenly. The new man has been given a new life. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Notice the movement here, by the way, from the things of Adam to the things of Christ. For the wages of sin is death. If, if you're an unbeliever, at this point, you can put a period there. You were, you were born a sinner. You were condemned by God before you even were born. Because in, in, in God's way of working things out, you were in Adam when he sinned, and you will die. Okay? That's what I mean. If you're an unbeliever, you got to put a period there. Okay? And hopefully it creates a desire in you to get the comma in there instead. But the free gift of God, I'm going to keep emphasizing that. It's a free gift. Didn't have to do it. Okay, we, we, we didn't do a thing to get it. We have to, we, in fact, we did everything we could not to get it as an unbeliever. But the free gift of God is, it's a gift and it's already been given, is eternal life. You see, now we have, a, as it were, an adjective for this life. It's a life that goes beyond anything you can imagine. Jesus Christ would say in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, eternal life, Father, is knowing you and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And we're going to be learning that forever okay so this is an unlimited life the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord so we have we have a, we are spiritual in nature the new man the new man is is heavenly the new man has a, a new life an eternal life four he's the adopted son of god a member of god's family the new man has been adopted Okay, see, see, this is important because, you see, there's only one Son of God, capital S, right? But God so loved the world that he gave it the one and only Son. Okay, that's capital S. That's not us, but we've been adopted. You know, we've been adopted. So in, in that sense, we're the brothers and sisters of the Lord as adopted, right? We don't share the essence of the God-man, but we have been adopted into the same family. He is the adopted son of God and a member of God's family. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. These things are things that are true about the new man, and they are true about you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are spiritual. You are heavenly. You have a new life, and you are have been adopted by God as a member of his family. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places in Christ. Look at that. Very simply, you are spiritual and you are heavenly. Okay, You've already been blessed with unbelievable blessings. They're spiritual. They can only be discerned by the Holy Spirit. And it's through the word of God that these things enter our hearts. But it's true. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So in other words, if you're, if you're living a life now where you feel it's, you're, you're living a life of poverty, 
or, or, or you're living a life where you've been, we've been put down or you're, or you're living a life where you think nothing's going your way, where it, the, the things that you think of on, in your natural mind as blessings you don't have. You know, maybe your family's deserted you. Maybe you don't have the job you wish you had. Maybe that maybe you're sick. OK, you say, well, I'm not being blessed. Right. Well, you're looking in the wrong place. You see, you've been blessed beyond your ability to understand. Now, wouldn't you rather be that? How many people would rather not be blessed with every kind of blessing imaginable and rather just stick with what you want here on Earth? Well, I don't know. But see, I, I would rather have I'd rather be in the category of every than a category of almost nothing. I don't know about you, but the key, the key is their spiritual nature. So what does that mean? It means that you have to you have to understand that you've been adopted by God, that you have a new life, that the Holy Spirit indwells you. Otherwise, you'll miss it. Bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And you know what? If you want to know what those are, it's real simple. Just get your nose in the book. But make sure you go to the right place, by the way, in the book. All right? You will never see a spiritual blessing in the Old Testament. Okay, Not really, because that's the earthly people. right? You'll see it in the epistles of Paul. Okay, The worst sinner ever lived, by the way. That tells you something about the grace of God. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We've already been through that. Spiritual heavenly. Just as God chose us in Christ when? Another thing, blow your mind on that. Before the foundation of the world. That's, again, I don't have any capacity to understand that. But it's true, right? God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And please don't start doing the mind game about what the Calvinists say. Oh, how could that be? And he choose some and not others. But you know what? Forget that, honestly. Just in your spirit, which the spirit will discern what this is, just celebrate the fact that this has been a, a done deal for you since before the foundation of the world, before even Adam was created, before the world was created. He chose you in Christ. Why? That we would be able to brag that we're chosen and others aren't. Right? Isn't that what it says here? That's the purpose for it. That we that he'll save us and condemn others. Is that what it says here? No way. Purpose chose us in him that we would be holy and blameless before him. Okay, this is goes way beyond all right, salvation into a whole other way, place that we're going to see in a little while that you are being transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And from the foundation of the world, God saw that would happen. It's all part of his plan. That he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And in love, he did something else before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to adoption as sons. I'm going to say the same thing here that I just said about choosing. Okay, this has got nothing to do with the Calvinist lie of predestination. Okay, with this, in other words, that God picks some and not others. Again, it's the same thing. All right. No, not at all. Because notice, does it say he predestined us to salvation? No, it doesn't say he predestined us to have our sins forgiven. But what? To adoption of sons, to adoption of sons. OK, so in other words, again, part of his plan for the for the new man was that he would adopt those people as his own son adopted now through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. This is very similar to what we heard already. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Why did he do it? To display his glory. And how does he display his glory? We were studying in this Thursday, by the way, in Bible study. You really should come if you don't. But because he, he, he's displayed his glory in his grace. It's, see, grace is something only God can do. In this sense, right? Only God can take somebody who's dead and make them alive. Only God can say, I, I'll come up with a plan so that by condemned sinners, okay, um, we'll, we'll, by simple faith, okay, we'll now receive the, my grace and salvation and all these other things. And that will glorify me because uh, you know, nobody's going to look at Paul as the worst sinner who ever lived and say, wow, Paul, you've been blessed. They're going to say, who would bless you? And the answer is only a glorious God 
who has, has, has this thing called grace, loves those who hate him and blesses those before they've done anything. You were blessed by God before you were justified, before you believed in him. When you, as the Bible says, were his enemy, where you, was un, where you were ungodly and unrighteous. Opposite of what the Calvinists say, by the way. To the praise of the, of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us. There's that grace again. Where? In the beloved. It starts and ends with Jesus Christ. It starts and ends for us with the fact that we have been baptized into Jesus Christ. And that's not water, right? It's we're spiritual. It's a, the Holy Spirit entered us in, permanently into Christ. Okay, go back to Galatians chapter 3. The new man is an adopted son or daughter of God. You're spiritual. The new man is spiritual. The new man is heavenly. The new man has a new life. The new man is the adopted son or daughter of God. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God. There's no such thing as winner believers and loser believers. You're all the same in God's eyes. Why? Because you're all in Christ. He looks at you and deals with you according to the humanity of Christ. And he sees you already as perfected in Christ. For you are all sons of God. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. That's how. Not through your works. Not through keeping the law. Not through the sacraments. Not for doing good deeds. One reason. Because you are in Christ Jesus through faith. And then verse 27, all of you, every believer who were baptized into Christ, every believer is baptized into Christ. It's not a special gift. You were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. He's your very identity now. You are a son of God, an adopted son of God. Number five. Number five, the new man has a new identity. Okay, it's almost, again, a, a sorry analogy, but like, you know, witness protection, right? The old you's gone, the new you's here, okay? The new you, the new man is, is a whole race, by the way, a whole humanity. Spiritual, heavenly, has a new life, adopted, and a totally new identity. Why? Because you've been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. See, Christ is your new identity. That's another amazing thing. People are going to talk to you like your past. They're going to identify you with the things you did in the past or even the things you do in the present. Okay, that's their identity. If you were to ask people in your life, who who am I? Right. They would give you a lot of answers, some of which you probably don't want to hear. All right. I'm dealing with some stuff now with my family. Trust me, I'm not getting the message of who I am in Christ when they tell me stuff quite the opposite. But I, I don't care. I mean, I do. It hurts me. But I realize who I really am. But I only know that because I, you know, um, I've been I've given the gift and the responsibility to be in the word of God a lot. Right. He has a new identity. Having been baptized into Christ already happened by the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, when we were baptized into Christ, by the way, we, we were also baptized. We we're baptized into his death, into his resurrection being seated with him in heavenly places and being placed in the spiritual community, the body of Christ. Okay, that's part of our identity also. Now, in that sense, the church is is corporate. It's one humanity. Okay, that's the second way you have to understand the new man. There's a lot of places where the new man is talked about in the singular. That just means it's the category of the new humanity, the church. Okay, so we're that too. And in that sense, there's one new man. All right. So the church is the body of Christ. That's our identity. Your identity is a member of the body of Christ. Your identity is also includes the spiritual gift that God has given you. Okay. The church is the, is the body of Christ, and each believer is a member of that body. That's part of your identity in Christ. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Ephesians 1, verse 22. The new man is spiritual. The new man is heavenly. The new man has a new life. The new man is an adopted son or daughter of God. And the new man has a new identity before God because he's been baptized into Christ 
by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.22. And he, God, has put all things, all things in subjection under his feet, Jesus Christ, and given Jesus Christ as head over all things to the church. Think about that. He is, he's saying, here, your body and here's your head, Jesus Christ. Not literally, but spiritually. Who is the church? Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If you're a believer in Christ, you've been baptized, entered permanently into the body of Christ. Okay, you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. You have a new identity. You've been baptized into Christ. You've clothed yourselves with Christ. You're a member of the body of Christ. Keep your head up. This is who you really are this morning. You're going to leave here and you're going to go into places where they're going to tell you lies about who you are because they're limited to the natural. But not only that, unbelievers, remember, are fleshly too, that they have the symptom that they're going to come up with all the negatives. That's what the flesh is all about. They're going to lie freely, right, for their own purposes, their own interests, their own agenda. God won't, see? Know who you really are. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, that's the human body, it's true, a head, fingers, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. In other words, I don't address my right hand, my right finger, my right hand, let's do that. Hey, hand, how are you this morning? Although some people will say, right, talk to the hand, but that's an insult. We're all one. If, if my finger hurts, I hurt, right? All right. Even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. Notice this. There's the analogy. So also is Christ. What does that mean? It means he has a body. Many members, but they're all one. That's the body of Christ, the believers, the church. Verse 13. Now, how did that happen? For by one spirit, we were all baptized. In other words, the baptism of the spirit is not a second blessing or an experience. It is something that God did instantly, spiritually, at the moment we believed. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you see it or not. We are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. This, this is the description of everybody now, the human race. Whether slaves or free, we're all made to drink of one spirit. And we derive our complete identity now and our life from Jesus Christ. Your identity is who you are in Christ. That's who you are. Just like your life is hidden with Christ and your blessings are with Christ. Your identity, who am I now? It's in Christ. Look to him. He's everything for us. Absolutely everything. In the interest of time, I'm just going to read Pastor 1 Corinthians. Well, actually, it's not too far away. You can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. You're in Christ. That's the most real thing about you. Okay. In fact, anything that's not that is not really who you are anymore at all. You are in Christ. Notice First Corinthians chapter one verse thirty. You know, it's interesting, by the way, that if you know anything about the Corinthian church, you know that they were the most messed up, carnal, fleshly, arrogant of all the churches that Paul ever wrote to, and yet. Some amazing things are revealed to them. See, that's God's grace again, right? Worst sinner we ever lived, the greatest insight into the mysteries of God. Worst church, some of the greatest insights into the mysteries of God, because it's by grace. And, and you also argue they need to know it more, right? In any event, 1 Corinthians 1.30. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. I want you to take that expression, in Christ Jesus. If you're having a bad day, in Christ Jesus. If you're having a bad day and you want to know what that means, you can go to our website and we have this document that says 50 things that tell you who you are in Christ. Go there. Read it. This is who you are. That's how you get staying in contact with your identity as the mirror of the word of God, not the lies of the world. By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us notice. He's everything. He is our wisdom now. Don't turn to the world. Don't turn to some pundit or some professor to get wisdom. Jesus is your wisdom from God. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. Just like you didn't save yourself, you can't sanctify yourself. It's all by the spirit and redemption so that as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord.
You want to boast about anything, boast about the fact that you're in Christ. Number six, this new man is bound for glory, that destiny, that future. Born spiritually, he's a spiritual, heavenly, has a new life, adopted, has a new identity, bound for glory. This is where you and I are headed this morning. Look at John chapter 17, verse 12. John chapter 17, verse 12. All by grace. All absolute certainties. The word hope. For a Christian, a hope, hope means looking through the word of God at a future that is certain. It's certain. Nothing can prevent God from bringing you to glory. Nothing will get in the way of the love of God for you for as long as you live and for all of eternity. Nothing. You will be raised from the dead. You will receive a resurrection body like the one Jesus has now. It's in the books. John 17, 22, the glory, Jesus talking to his father night before he dies. The glory which you have given me, father, I have given to them. It's already happened that they may be one, one body of Christ, just as we, father, are one. Mm. I am them. Christ is in you, you in me, the Father is in Christ, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you've loved me. That's you, that's me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, notice this, be with me where I am. Where is he going to be? Where is he now? He's going to be because he hasn't died in this particular passage. At the right hand of the Father. I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, be with me where I am. So that they might see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world as well. You chose them in me before the foundation of the world. You've loved me, Father, from all of eternity. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The new man is spiritual. The new man is heavenly. The new man has a new life, eternal life. The new man has a, has a new identity. The new man isn't adopted by God. The new man is going to be glorified one day. And already has. Romans 8, 28. And in fact, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Every believer in Christ has been called according to his purpose. The Holy Spirit is pouring the love of God into your hearts. This is you. For those whom he foreknew, remember since the beginning of time, right before the world started, he also predestined. Now, there's that word again. But what? Predestined is putting a plan together for your destination before you get there. Well, what's our destination? To become conformed to the image of his son so that he, the son, would be the firstborn among notice. Many brethren, we are adopted into the same family that Jesus is in. And these whom he predestined. It's going to happen. It's a certainty. I will conform them to the image of my son. Then he called. Those he called, he justified. By the way, this is another place. So I hope you notice this. Read it back again to yourself later. There's no I. There's no me. There's no you. All right. So, yeah, sure. If you want to edit verse 30 and put yourself in there, you're welcome to do that. I don't recommend it because you'll miss the glory. You'll miss the, the certainty of God's actions on your behalf. These whom he predestined, he also called. These whom he called, he also justified. Notice the last part. These whom he justified. Who did he justify? Ungodly people who believe. He also glorified. We know that we'll be glorified one day for one simple reason. Because Christ is in us. And by the way, I want to keep going here. I can answer the time. But that's Colossians 1, 26 to 27. Actually, let's go there. I can't skip over passages. Let's do it. Started a couple of minutes after 10 because the song was long. So maybe I'll, it's like soccer. They add time on at the end. Like I'll do the same thing. You guys, don't mind. If you do, you sure, you can stand up and go. I won't hold it against you. I might write it down, though. I might say, hmm. If you came in late, you have to stay when everybody else leaves. That's what happens in class. <laughs> 
Colossians 1, 26 to 127. That is the mystery. Notice this. There's a mystery that's been hidden from the past ages and generations. There it is again. Hidden from the Old Testament saints. Hidden from the people who walked the earth with Jesus. Hidden until now. But now has been manifested to his saints, this mystery, to whom God will to make known. He wanted you to know this. What is the riches? You want to be rich? Be rich this way. You already have it. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Okay, the whole world now, which is what Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope, remember, is a certainty of a future events. I am certain because Christ is in me that I am headed for glory. It's quite a list, don't you think? Spiritual. And discern things that the unbeliever can't heavenly up with Christ right now. A new life, an eternal life adopted sons and daughters. A new identity in Christ, headed for glory. There's one more thing I want to close with this morning, and that's this. The start of the series, I don't know if you remember, but we asked, what does it mean to be human? As we started out, we saw that the Bible says that as far as being created, man was created. Remember, mind, heart, soul, and body. You remember that? Mind, heart, soul, and body. Mind, heart, soul, and body. Well, what about the new man? What does the Bible say about the new man? I want you to notice this. It's a little different. I want you to notice this. A spirit, a soul, a mind, and a body. Now, we we learned that the the man was originally created with with a soul, a mind, and a body. But guess what? The new man has a spirit, a soul, a mind, and a body. That's 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 pretty awesome. We're spiritual in nature. If you don't believe me, go to First Thessalonians 5, 23. First Thessalonians 5, 23. A new man has a spirit, a soul, a mind, and a body. First Thessalonians 5, 23. Now, now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The new man has a spirit as well as a soul and a body and you will, you are, you will be preserved and sanctified entirely. Now that's a will be because that soul and body are in there. Our spirits are already perfect. Our soul is, is being renewed. Our body won't be without blame until Christ comes back. That's why it says at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 6, we'll skip over. It just says that we have the mind of the spirit. We've already seen that. But here's the fascinating thing. And this is where I'll close this morning. You know what's fascinating about the new man? It's that God is still at work perfecting him. We've talked a lot about this morning about what's already happened, okay? But in addition to that, God is still at work in the new man. He's perfecting the new man, the believer in Christ. You might say, well, how does that work? How exactly does that work? Well, look at Ephesians chapter 3. Okay, now let me start with one statement, okay? Our, our spirit was created perfect. Guess I don't have the scriptures. Bad boy, John. I'll just read it, okay? It's Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. I don't know why I didn't put this up. It's very important. I'm slipping. That's why. Unless I put it after. No, I didn't. Oh. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You don't have to write that one down, unfortunately. Well, no, that's fortunate. 422. That ye put away. I'm reading the old King James. New, actually, the... It's not the New American Standard because I like the way this is worded better. That you put away as concerning your former manner of life, the old man, wax is corrupt after the lust of deceit. And then notice verse 23, and you be renewed in your spirit of your mind. See, your mind is still being renewed, unlike your spirit, verse 24, and put on the new man. 
that after God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. That's your spirit, already created perfect. Soul was created perfect. We have a new mind, a spiritual mind. And yet, yet, that mind is still in the process of being transformed. I'll read this passage in the interest of time. We are running out of time, unfortunately. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed now and in the future by the renewing of your mind. Spirit is perfect. Your mind is still being renewed. That's why. That's one of the reasons you're here, is to have your mind renewed. The mind is corrupt, depraved. And God said, I, I'm going to renew that mind, but I'm going to do it a little at a time. I'm going to do it with my word and with the spirit. So you may prove what the will of God is. Okay. What about our bodies? Well, there's still bodies of corruption. Uh, I got bad news for you. Your body is not getting better. Your body is not perfect. It's not sanctified. Okay. And that won't happen. Okay. Until Christ comes back, as we saw. Your body will be redeemed. But when it happened when Christ appears in the clouds to take us to heaven. And that's Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Again, I'll read it in the interest of time. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will, it'll happen, but it's future, will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity with the body of his glory. It's the last thing that's going to happen to us to make us perfect. Body now, humble state, Body future, when Christ comes back, conformity with the body of his glory. And he can do that because he has the power to subject everything to himself. And that will be instantaneous. And that's our great hope. All right. I'm going to do this real fast. This is already in your notes. But I'm just going to just one more time hear these things. Who's the new man? Spiritual man. Who's the new man? Heavenly. Who's the new man? He has a new eternal life. Who's the new man? Adopted. The adopted son of God. Who's the new man? Has a new identity. It's Christ. It's all repeating, but hear it one more time. Who's the new man? He is bound for glory. His spirit is perfect. His mind is being renewed. His body will be redeemed when Christ comes for his church. And all of this is who you are. Let's close now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for given us this opportunity to to just step back and see the wide sweep of human history, including the future that you have provided us the information about in your word and that you've already accomplished and you will continue in terms of us being renewed. And Father, we just thank you as as we end this series, Father, that we should reflect on how privileged we are. And we saw where we were in Adam and now we see who we are in Christ. Let that be a source of joy and gratitude and a motivation to continue to make sure we remind ourselves of who we are. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. All right. Uh, you're welcome. The end. All right. You know, Bible study Thursday, 630, no service Christmas. So, you know, all that. All right. That's it. Have a great day.